0: الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله ورسوله ارسله الله تعالى ودين الحق يظهرهُ على الدين كله وكفاب الله شهيدا، فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا. أما بعد، فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله، وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم، وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها، وإن كل محدثة بدعة، وكل بدعة ضلالة، وكل ضلالة في النار. قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن يقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم if قال يوسف لأبيه يا أبت إني رأيت أحد عشر كوكبا والشمس والقمر رأيتهم ten horses, and the sun and the sky have seen them for la soldiers. He said, O son, don't tell your eyes on your brother, so he will be convinced that Satan is a real إنا ربك عليم حكيم رب لي صدري وييسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي والله عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله والله مجعل من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصب gave us a remarkable story in the Quran, one of the most detailed accounts in the Quran of any prophet, and that is the account of Yusuf Many of you know an entire surah is dedicated just to the telling of his story. And that's like unlike any other prophet where a single surah would be dedicated to just telling their life account. But in this story, a lot of times we know of the events that took place. It's a very famous story, but we don't pay much attention to some of these very profound lessons that Allah Azza wa Jal has put inside of this story. One of the most incredible ayat of this surah is لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي wa Ikhwatihi ayatun lisailin that for for certain yusuf in yusuf and his brothers there are many miraculous signs and many lessons if you will many heavenly lessons for the people who ask questions and the word sa'il also means people in need so the word sa'il in arabic means this these two you know two groups meaning yusuf and his brothers you have a lot to learn from them if you have questions also you have a lot to learn from them if you are in need So it actually means both things, Sā'ileen. And what kind of need, you know, this surah is going to describe people in different kinds of desperate situations. And human beings, believers, they will find themselves in similar desperate situations. And they will find the need that they have of that hour being addressed by the words of Allah in this surah. So, it's got many, many beautiful lessons that we can extract from and really enrich our lives with. And hopefully, I, I, I hope to highlight one such thing today. It's something that seems very small, but it can become very, very big. The way the story begins in the Quran is that Allah describes a child who came up to his father to tell him a dream. He's, you know, he comes to his father. And he tells him that, my, my beloved father, there isn't any doubt, I saw 11 stars, and the sun, and the moon. And then the Arabic is interesting, Ra'aytuhum, I saw them. So he repeats, I saw twice. It happened in the beginning of the ayah. inni ra'aytu. And as a matter of fact, Anna is twice for those of you who know Arabic. I, I saw them for sure. And then by the time he says, 11 stars, the sun, and the moon, he starts over again and says, I saw them, one more time. Before he completes his statement, Lisa Sajidin, which suggests a few things. One of the things it can suggest is a child, when they're sharing something, sometimes they're nervous. And when they're nervous, they repeat themselves. You know, sometimes your, your child comes up to you, something happened at school, or something happened in the playground, and you say, what happened? I said, I was playing, I was playing, I was playing, uh-huh, and then what happened? And I was playing, and then, and then, and they repeat their words because they're trying to get to the part that might get them in trouble or the part that's hard to talk about or the part that's a little bit shocking for them or traumatizing for them right so yusuf sees this dream as a child he comes to his dad he's nervous about this dream and the, the fact that he began with inni for those of you who know the arabic language a little bit الشاك, it's used to remove doubt like he's telling his dad a dream but he thinks his dad even his dad might not believe him it's too Incredible, too crazy of a thing that he saw. It's too wild of a thing that he saw, that maybe my dad won't even believe me. So he says, no, really I did see it. I did in fact see it. I saw 11 stars, the sun and the moon. And then he says, which is the strangest language. You know, in English translation of this ayah, they say, I saw them prostrating before me. Meaning, I saw the stars, the sun and the moon doing that to me. But the Arabic of it is very different. The word ra'aytuhum the the pronoun hum, which is translated they, is not used for inanimate objects. It's not used for the sun or the stars or the moon. As a matter of fact, it was, if it was for the sun or the stars or the moon, the two options in Arabic would have been Li sajidat or Li sajidah. Those were the two options in Arabic. I know many of you don't know Arabic, and that's okay. But what I'm trying to get across to you is the way he spoke suggests that he already knew that it's not actually the stars the sun and the moon it's actually people because the wording he used is wording used in Arabic only for people. It's so when he said this to his father they're doing such that to me they're prostrating because of me they're falling on the ground. this was the part that he found so shocking and his father, when he responds to him, realizes in the way that the son told him the dream, the way that he expressed himself. The father paid close attention to him and realized, this kid is so smart, not only did he see a special dream, he interpreted it all on his own in the way that he described it. So the interpretation has already happened. It's already happened. You see, seeing a dream is not an accomplishment. That's not an accomplishment. But seeing a dream And then having the intelligence and the insight and the wisdom to figure out what it means, now that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. So what Allah decides, you know, there are so many endless conversations that happen between parents and children. And Allah decides to highlight this one dialogue between Yusuf and his father. Of all the things he could have highlighted, he highlights this dialogue. There are other major events in the story. You know, he gets kidnapped, that's a pretty major event. He gets thrown in a well, that's a pretty major event. He gets taken out and sold as a slave, as a child slave, that's a major event. He gets falsely accused and thrown into jail later on. That, or b- before that, he gets tried to, tries to get tempted by the minister's wife, then he gets thrown into jail, then he spends many years in jail. I mean, there are several major events that are talked about in this story. And in the beginning of this story, instead of what you would think is a major event, it's just a small conversation. And in this conversation, Yusuf is just expressing a dream that he saw, but his father validates him immediately. And that's really the khutbah today. He says to him, وَكَذَٰلِكَ Well, first of all, he warns him. لَا تَقْصُصُ رُؤْيَاكَ fayakidu إِخْوَتِكَ فَيَكِيدُ كَيْدًا Don't tell this dream that you saw of yours to your brothers. Now, he knows. Yusuf already knows. Yaqub already knows. This has something to do with your brothers. Don't tell your brothers. I know they're part of this dream. You already know that too. Don't talk about this to your brothers. They already have a jealousy problem. They'll, they're going to scheme something against you. They're going to get even more aggravated towards you. Now, he's a child. Sometimes you say we shouldn't have negative conversations in front of children. We should shield them. We should protect them. But sometimes it's in their best interest to know who's good for them and who's not good for them. Which uncle to stay away from. Which brother to stay away from sometimes. Not every family situation is ideal. You know? And sometimes parents don't want to hear. It. Sometimes children come and say, you know, my brother did this. Or my sister did this. Or this one did this. Or this one. And this, and I don't want to hear it. Stop talking. I don't want to deal with anything. You know, a friend of mine used to say back, he was from Algeria, and he used to say that they, you know, they they're have a joint family system. So they've got the guy living there, his wife is living there, their kids are living there, his brother's living there, his wife and their kids. There's like 30 kids in the house, and there's like four or five different couples, and they're all fighting, and all kinds of drama is happening all day in the house. But then the grandfather walks home, and everybody's happy all of a sudden. All the problems are gone because the grandfather had a policy if anybody has any fight, I'm gonna line all of you up and slap all of you. The fathers, the mothers, the children, everybody's gonna get slapped. So by the time the grandpa came home, all the problems in the family are resolved. That's clearly not Islam. (laughs) But it apparently works for their family. (laughs) The idea being, sometimes we don't want to hear it. Or we don't want to deal with a conflict that actually exists. Sometimes there are members of our family that have a problem that have an anger problem, that have a jealousy problem, that have a verbal abuse problem. Sometimes they have a, you know, physical abuse problem. Sometimes they have a scheming and lying problem. They have, people have problems. And who knows family better than family? And so if you have to look, look out for someone, sometimes you even have to look out for your own sibling, it happens. And this father has the sense to know, listen, you need to look out for your brothers. You, you can't, you, don't be naive. You're young, they're older, but don't talk about these kinds of things with them. Because <laughs> they will, they, they they might hurt you in some way. And it's not their fault entirely. In the لِلْإِنْسَانِ lil insani the devil is a pretty big enemy, pretty open enemy for human beings. The devil can come anywhere. The devil's not just there between you and some stranger, the devil wants to destroy family relationships. He wants to create animosity between brother and brother, brother and sister, father and son, you know, mother and child, you know, mother and daughter, mother and son, etc. These family relationships is where the shaitan is active. That's, where he, that's what he wants to destroy first. What's the best way to destroy humanity? Destroy the unit that holds humanity together. The unit that holds humanity together is the family. So the shaitan is most active in the family. He's most active between parents and kids. He's most active between husband and wife or siblings. That's where he's most active. These blood ties or these, these sacred ties, that's what he wants to destroy first. If these are destroyed, what's left of humanity? Then it's all gone. And then there's the, you know, the shelter, the protection that family brings is gone. And so he's, he's successful in his scheme. So he, first thing that Yaqub tells his son is what to be careful about. And that's again something we learn about us and our children. We have to warn our kids about things they should be careful about. And we should also be warning our kids about people in our own family sometimes that may be toxic. That's important. It's actually a sunnah of a prophet now. It's a sunnah so important it was recorded in the Qur'an. To let our kids know, sometimes, not everybody in the families, okay, and, you know, Ramadan happens, and after Ramadan, Eid happens, and Eid, all the family gets together, and some of the crazy uncles come too, and some of the wild cousins come too, and some of the, you know, everybody's together. And sometimes you got to let your kids know ahead of time, here's the people you got to stay away from, here's what you have to be careful about. And, and you, have to, you have to warn them and educate them, it's the real world, you have to prepare them. So our kids are not naive, and they don't just, you know, in in their naivety trust anybody. Because anybody can harm them. And if this, this surah in the beginning teaches us anything, is that family is not necessarily a safe place. His own brothers are the ones that kidnapped him, isn't it? His own brothers are the ones that threw him in a well. His own brothers are the ones that were trying to kill him. So it's not always the case that just because someone's family, oh, it's okay, they're with their cousin, it's okay. It's okay, it's just their uncle. No, don't be naive. That's, that's something even the Quran is telling us in very explicit terms. So that's the first thing. But more importantly, what I wanted to focus my khutbah on today with you is what he says next and what impact it has. He says, yajtabika That is how Allah has especially chosen you. Your master, your nurturing master has chosen you. Ijtiba in Arabic is used when someone is chosen for something based on a skill that they have. Based on some qualification that they have. To give you an example, if I just go to the store and pick out a blue shirt, I could have picked a white shirt, I could have picked a green shirt, I picked a blue shirt. That's not ijtiba, that's istifa. But when you hire someone for a job, right? When you hire a cook at a restaurant, you hire the best cook. You don't just say, this guy's wearing a blue shirt, you got the job. That's not how that works. You got to hire the best cook. That's called ijtiba, the right kind of choice, for the right kind of job. So when someone's qualified to do the work and you, pull, you select them, or even if you're working on your car or something and you need a certain tool, you pick the right tool for the right kind of screw. Right? That, that, when you make that right selection, that's called اجتباء. When he uses this word for Yusuf السلام, he's telling his son, you have a skill. You have good qualities in you. And those qualities are the basis on which Allah is choosing you for a special task. And then he starts telling him not only you know, what, what skill is that? وَيُعَلِّمُكَ مِن تَأْوِيلِ الْحَدِيثِ Allah will teach you, it seems, Allah is going to be teaching you how to interpret all kinds of speech. Not just dreams. You're able to figure things out, what people say, and what's behind what people say. Sometimes people say one thing, but it's something behind it. Another reality behind it. He's going to make you highly intelligent at analyzing speech. مِن تَأْوِيلِ الْحَدِيثِ وَيُتِمُّ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكَ and Allah will complete His favor on you, meaning you have a great future ahead of you. You have a fantastic future ahead of you. Now this is the, the talk father is giving to his son, that Allah has chosen you, you have a special skill, then you're, you're going to learn to interpret all kinds of speech, you're very intelligent, and your Allah will complete His favor, I'm sure Allah has a great future planned for you. And then He says, "Kama atammaha ala أَبَوَيْكَ And it's the same kind of future, that, that, that perfection of Allah's favor that Allah gave to your ancestors. Ibrahim is Haqq, meaning you are part of a proud legacy. You're going to make your ancestors proud. These few words were so important. And I'll tell you now why I highlighted these words. Because soon after this conversation, Yusuf has been kidnapped. And soon after that, he will not see his father again. He's going to it's going to be his entire youth, his childhood is going to be spent in a non-muslim family. He's going to be a servant in a non-muslim family. There's no islamic influence. He's not going to go to islamic school. He's not going to have a masjid access. He's not going to have any sort of muslim community environment. He's going to be in Egypt where they don't worship Allah actually. And he's going to live in a politician's house. So if normal people's house, you might not see all that corruption, but he lives in a politician's house. Who's got a psychotic wife on top of that? And he's a servant with no adult moral supervision. Nobody, you you know, servants, they they serve their master and do whatever, but in their free time, they're free to do whatever they want. At least for a child, there should be some kind of parental guidance. There is going to be no parental guidance. There's going to be no societal guidance. The society is a bad environment. And by the way, after spending some years in that negative environment, he's going to get falsely accused. And he's going to end up in jail for a few years. And what kind of positive environment is there inside of a jail? What kind of people is he around? He's around criminals for several years. He's not around some positive atmosphere that is going to cultivate his personality and bring him some, you know, some goodness. What do we learn from this? What we learn is, no matter what negative environment he found himself in He was able to hold on to his religion He was able to hold on to the strength of his faith All from what? From the validating words that his father gave him as a child When his his father told him that you have a bright future Allah has chosen you Allah has honored you Allah has given you a special status Allah sees something in you You have a brilliant future then he, when he internalized that as a child, he's able to take that light and doesn't matter what darkness is around him, it doesn't make him dark. He's still got that light inside of him. And why is that important to highlight for you and me? Because we have to be careful what we tell our kids. We have to be careful how we talk to our kids. One time I met a fellow who told me, he was doing some work in my house, he told me, brother, can you help me with a question? I said, what's your question? He goes, my son, he's got an anger problem, he punches the wall when he comes home, he kicks things, he yells and screams, I don't know what's going on with him. I was like, what happened recently? And he says, we recently moved from one city to another. It's like, okay, so he lost all of his friends, and he's in a new school, do you know if they're bullying him at school? Do you know if they're making fun of him? What's going on with him? He goes, I don't know, let's talk to his mother knows, I don't know anything. It's like, there's already a problem. You've got the legacy of Ya'qub السلام, who doesn't have to ask his son, his son comes and tells him because that's how comfortable father and son are with each other. So when a dad sitting here says, I don't know what's going on. With- we will have 20 khutbah suggestions, you know. But if we were to take a step back and say, what is it that you would like to tell your son or daughter that you're proud of in them? That you see that Allah has given them a gift, something that validates them, makes them feel like they're proud. How many sons and daughters around the world are there starving, dying, for the one time, their mom or their dad will say, son, I'm proud of you, daughter, I'm proud of you. Allah has given you such a a talent, Allah has blessed you. I am so proud to call you my son or my daughter. There are people that die for this, and they don't get it from their parents. And even if they get it, like if for example, one time, the child, the daughter decides that she's gonna cook something for the first time, she's gonna learn to cook to make her mom proud. And she finally learns to cook and make something good, and everybody likes it. The mom says, it's good. Finally, huh? <laughs> Had to throw something in. You have to throw something because it took you long enough. Couldn't make anything else, right? You have to throw something negative in, not just the positive. On the one hand, what we learn from the legacy of Yaqub, a.s. is we can't make our children blind to the negative around them. But we don't make them feel like they're worthless. We have to validate them. We have to inspire them. We have to give them positive words. Those few positive words you say to your children, and you say to your family, you don't know what dark environment they find themselves in, and those words are the only reason they don't fall into darkness. You see? That's a pretty critical thing. It's a really serious thing. And it's a, you know, I would give this by in theory, but I've seen it. I've seen young people make the most terrible mistakes in their life. And resent their parents, and when you dig down into it, when they're engaged in all kinds of haram, you would think I should give them a conversation about don't do haram, fear Allah, you should fear the akhirah, etc. Yes, all of that's true, but there's something else going on that led them down that dark path. <coughs> what led them down that dark path is, man, my dad always criticized me. All I heard at home was something negative, so I just didn't want to deal with it. And when when, you, when the Shaitan is able to create that negativity inside the home, then young people, your sons and your daughters, are going to find friends and find environments where people appreciate them. Where people like something about them. Where people make them feel comfortable. Where people make them feel validated. They feel like they're worth something here. And the more, and the way, when they find that, you'll find that they're spending less time at home, more time outside. Less time at home, more time outside. And by the time this, they're, they're old enough and they're coming home at 2, 3, and 4 in the morning, and you're losing your mind, what's happening with you? you know, and they say, oh, I can't talk to you. I don't want to deal with your negativity. Mom, I can't deal with your, your, your comments. Please, save it. And you're in shock. What just happened? My child was so good. They were so quiet. They never talked back. And all of a sudden, look at how they're talking to me. Maybe I should take them to the Imam. Maybe I should take them to somebody, and they can recite some Quran and blow on them, and then they'll be fine. That's not what happened. You weren't there to validate them when they were younger. You weren't there for a real conversation when they were younger. This will brew inside them silently until it erupts eventually. That's human beings. That's not just your child or my child. That's human beings. That's human nature. And so what we're learning in the surah is something very powerful. By the way, by contrast, before I end, it's not just positive words that Yusuf experiences. He experiences negativity, too. His brothers don't like him. I'm sure he hears negative things from his brothers. And many years later, after surviving all of those trials, he's a minister. And his brothers are standing in front of him. And they don't even know that that's their younger brother that they tried to kill. They have no idea. And when the entire fiasco happens with his youngest brother being accused of stealing, what did these brothers say? Listen to this carefully. What did they say even then? They said, "Qadu in يَسْرِقْ فَقَدْ salaka أَخُلَّهُ min قَبْلِ They said, they're standing in front of Yusuf, they don't know it's Yusuf. And they're looking straight at him and saying, oh, if this one stole, he used to have a brother, he had a stealing problem too. They're telling Yusuf that Yusuf was a thief. And they don't even know they're insulting him to his face. Meaning they used to be degrading and demeaning before. And what does, Yusuf, what does Allah say about Yusuf? He says, when, the, when he heard these words, نفسه, Yusuf kept the feelings he had to himself. The rage he felt, the sadness he felt, the cut and the, deme- the, the slander he felt from his own family, he kept it to himself. لهم, and he didn't let them see even the look on his face. He kept control and calm. And said to himself, قَالَ antum You're even worse than you used to be. You're even worse. Meaning, Yusuf remembers the pain they caused back then. He's an adult. He's gone through many negative things. He's gone through being you know, to to being sold as a slave, falsely accused, years in prison. But the, and Allah never mentioned that he kept pain inside him or let out some complaint. But now, when his own brother spoke, the pain came out again. Meaning, you can, human beings are capable of tolerating a lot of difficulty from the outside. But the difficulty that family brings to family is much more difficult to swallow. It's much more difficult to overcome. That's the hardest kind of pain. So the positive words that come from family are more important than anybody else. Some of you have a master's degree. Some of you are accountants. Some of you are engineers, doctors, whatever you are. When you go to the office, people are proud of you. Wow, you're so incredible, your parents must be so proud of you, your family must be so proud of you, people want to take a picture with you, people want to just praise you at work, how eloquent you are, how smart you are, how this you are, how that you are, and none of that, it, it come, those praises come to you and they fall off of you because they don't mean anything. Because when you go home, your family, your own family tells you, you're worthless, you're a disappointment, why couldn't you be more like your brother? Why couldn't you be like this? We shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. You call that a real job, that's not a real job. You call that a degree, that's not a real degree. This is what family does. And then all those accomplishments mean nothing. Because when they mean something, is when validation comes, supporting words come from the family. Be careful of these words there in amana. These children that we have, this family that we have, the way we speak to them, we have to be very... If you have nothing good to say, stay silent. Just don't say anything. Just don't say anything. And if family is being negative towards you, it's okay. Just walk away. Don't engage with it. Be like you, surprised them. Keep it to yourself and let it go. Because nothing good will come of furthering that kind of negativity for yourself. I pray that this is of some benefit to all of you and myself, that we have to take a good look at how we conduct ourselves in our family especially the sensitive words we use with our children, and what effect can, it can have long term, long term in their personalities. What, what, will, what will they turn into? You know, there are, there are people I met, they were called certain names, I can't even, it's so a khutbah, so I can't repeat those names. They were called certain names when they were children, and they literally said to themselves, well that's what my parents think of me, that's how I'm going to act anyway. Because that's what I really am, right? Because who would know me better than my parents? So if that's what they think I am, that's what I am, and that's what I do, why I do what I do. They made that into an excuse to ruin themselves. But it started with them being scarred as kids. May Allah protect our children and make us careful with our words and, and the way we deal with those that have been put under our care. May Allah make us realize the words of the Messenger قُلُّكُمْ Every one of you is a shepherd and every one of you will be asked about their sheep. May Allah make us responsible over our sheep. Barakallahu <laughs> quran al-Hakim wa wa hakim Allah الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن one أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على the يا أيها the آمنوا صلوا the وسلموا تسليما اللهم صلِّ على the وعلى آل محمد كما صلَّيْت على إبراهيم وعلى the إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله the الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذِي القربة، وينهى عن الفحش والبنك، ولا ذكر الله أكبر، والله يعلم ما تصنعون. الصلاة أَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ مَلَامُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذَا رُنُوْفُوسٌ.